1: Thank you, Jim Nansen. This week we got the U.S. Open. Remember 2008 was the last time there at Torrey Pines. What an amazing event that was. Where were you when Tiger Woods forced that playoff? I was volunteering down there at the u.s open that whole week totally worth it all my friends at the golf course Bing maloney where i was working said you're an idiot to go down there spend two hundred dollars for a uh, uniform and to volunteer It's on your own time on your own dime why would you do it and uh, i think i got the last laugh on that one uh, very happy to be down there and uh, experiencing that at the u.s open so we're back at it tory pines and matt ackett's was the caddy for Rocco Mediate that week he was Together with Rocco, it actually just started in February of that year. I started his PGA Tour caddying career. I was only four months in. Crazy that he would be shoved into such a huge position there with Rocco trying to beat Tiger Woods, trying to beat the Giant there at Torrey Pines, a place that he had dominated. So, so many cool stories here from Matt. We'll get into that in just a minute. And before we do that, Encore Golf, check out their new ball, the Vero X1. I've been trying it off the tee. It's unbelievable. It's great. Added about 10, 12 yards of distance. And also, it still has this feel around the green. That's the important thing. We want to have both, right, as golfers. So, um, unprecedented combination of distance, accuracy and control and feel Um, and the other thing is perimeter weighted technology helps maximize the moment of inertia so check out the Vero X1 you can use my promo code B, the letter B clubhouse to get 10% off on an order of golf balls so check it out encoregolf.com let's get to Matt Ackett's here on Beyond the Clubhouse it's US Open Week I'm very pleased to be joined by my next guest matt ackett's and he was a caddy for 2008 us open at torrey pines rocco media of course making a huge run at tiger woods the playoffs so much happened that week matt what's going on how are you man hey good morning thank you so much
0: for having me on the show
1: for sure man and and listen i'm looking at the timeline as we talked about a little bit off off air before we started this 2008 was your first year as a caddy ever your february at the phoenix open is when you started working for rocco so here we are you get four months later into your career as a caddy you're at the u.s open at Torrey pines like how did you manage things so early on i mean with such a huge week that was coming ahead there yeah for me i
0: think it it was maybe a little different because i was so new to caddying and so new to the pga tour that just was like another event for me i didn't realize back then how big and how special the u.s open is so emotionally for me it was it was just like working i mean all the events out there are are incredible how great they are but uh it it was pretty normal and and just pretty easy working it because it, it i didn't like i said i didn't realize how special the u.s open was and and now i do now i now I totally understand why every player out there wants to win that tournament, and and just even qualify to play in
1: it. Right. Well, and he, and you look at your, the player you had that week. Rocco was 158th ranked going into that U.S. Open. And Tori, was there anything that you saw from him that week that made you think a big run was coming? Did he say anything? Do you see something with his game? Well, we
0: had we kind of did a a, a big. Um, course management, sort of how we're going to play the game overhaul a few weeks earlier uh, at the colonial tournament in Fort Worth, just um, kind of reworking carry numbers and shot shapes and things like that. And we put it into play at Muirfield, which is the, yeah. the, you know, the same week as the qualifier to get into. And we finished sixth place at Muirfield. So, you know, Rocco is an amazing player. He's, arguably one of the best ball strikers of of all time and having that week at Muirfield and then making it through the 36-hole qualifier to get into the U.S. Open, he was playing really good golf going into that or at least we played really good golf at Muirfield going into that. Did I ever think like, wow, we can win a U.S. Open or we could do, I certainly never, never, that was never on my radar, but And, you know, looking at his his history at Torrey Pines, I don't think he's ever played good at Torrey Pines. I personally have never been to Torrey Pines, never been to a major. So a run like that certainly wasn't anything that I was thinking about. But the way we played at Muirfield, I thought we could have a really good week. You know, Rocco is the first person to even think about giving me a chance to caddy, you know, at that level. So to be able to do that with him and, and the person who got my career started, it was fantastic.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, U.S. Open, your first one is was that week at Torrey. What was the hardest part of caddying in that week? We know it's, it's grueling, it's a long golf course, but, but what was it like as a caddy?
0: It, probably uh, traffic and where I had to stay. <laughs> was probably the hardest part of the week. Um, it, it really, it, it's... It's no for me. It's no different than any other week. I, I, people probably want to hear like some crazy story about how, but it's there's really nothing to it. Like, it you have your numbers, you have your game plan, you know where you want to hit. You know where you want to hit the shots, and it's just comes down to your player. Either your player executes the shot or he doesn't. And uh, Rocco obviously that week was
1: executing a lot of shots really well. Hmm. Well, speaking of executing really well, I mean, you guys were playing well enough to get to the final group on Saturday. Um, Last group, I mean, what were the takeaways from that Saturday at the U.S. Open at at Torrey?
0: You know, that that Saturday, um, Rocco was playing probably the best golf I've ever seen anybody play through 12 holes. I'm not sure, but we may have been at least around the lead, I think we were the only player on the course that was even under par for the round. And we would probably built a maybe a four or five shot over Tiger through 12 holes on Saturday. And then Rocco hit a perfect tee shot right down the middle of the par five, number 13th. And it's one of the coolest moments that I'll, I'll ever remember Experience. We're, we're like 255 or 256 yards to the pin on 13. And we're watching Tiger on the back of the green hit this putt. And this is, you know, obviously he makes that 50-footer or 55-footer or whatever it is for Eagle, and the crowd just goes crazy. And that moment right there was a turning point. Because we had played perfect golf through 12 holes. Hits a tee shot, absolutely perfect down the middle of 13. And we made a really sloppy bogey after Tiger made that eagle putt. We had a a really good number for three wood that we kind of whiffed into the front bunker. We got it on the green, and then we three putted for bogey. And that kind of started a really bad run for us on Saturday. And then that was right the same moment when Tiger went Eagle, and then he chipped in on 17 for birdie, and then he made another 50-footer for eagle on 18. So, uh, Saturday, to me, Saturday on 13 is where the tournament really changed. I feel like if we would have hit a good three-wood up onto that green and two-putted for birdie, or, you know, even made our par, we probably, you know, who's to say how the tournament ends? you know because you don't typically think tiger is going to shoot 74 or 75 whatever he shot on Sunday but
1: right. that,
0: that that huge eagle putt that he made followed by our miss three wood i think that was a really crucial moment in the tournament on saturday
1: and and what it looked like from your perspective the fans going crazy there behind 13
0: I, it was we were 250 yards away and it was one of the loudest roars i've ever heard in my life i mean it, it was it was you know from an opponent's standpoint it wasn't fun to watch but from a from a being a fan of Tiger woods and a fan of golf you know my whole life it was one of the awesome, most awesome things I've seen you know to see the big fist pump and just to see the crowd reaction it was crazy and you can't you can't make that putt well actually I take that back because every year I go back to Tory I put a I put a plastic cup down and I put I put the ball where Tiger's ball was, and I have all my players try to hit that putt. Two of them have made it on the first try. It's unbelievable. Oh, are you serious? Like, oh, that, must have, that must have been a really
1: easy putt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, then you guys get to 17. You see Tiger chip in. That was unbelievable, and I'm sure the crowd reaction was wild there as well, huh? Yeah,
0: that was – it wasn't anything like the like the putt on, on 13, and uh, I don't even really remember – I don't even really remember – That chip in, I I just know watching it on TV. But we had just gone bogey, par, double bogey, bogey. So on 17, we weren't. I kind of really was just focused more on what we were doing, and I and I heard the roar of the chip in, but I really wasn't paying much attention at that time. Um, But Rocco hit a brilliant seven iron in and made birdie on 17, which was huge though for him to sort of stop the bleeding. Yep. And to get back into a position where I don't think at that point we – I think we needed the eagle 18 to have a chance to be in the final group with Tiger. But it put us in the first to last group, which was really big.
1: Mm. And then um, you get to Sunday and think about what happened there. Of course, Tiger had the double bogey start. But by the time you get to the second hole, you guys make birdie. You're already in the lead. I mean, so so what was the adrenaline like, I guess – as you started Sunday, what was the adrenaline like, and then how did it feel to kind of get the lead so quickly?
0: Yeah, again, I wish I had a great answer for you,
1: but it's just, <laughs> it,
0: it. Rocco and I did a fantastic job of just sticking to our game plan and hitting the areas of the greens that we wanted to hit, and he drove, and he, he drove the ball really good for not having his gamer driver. Mm. Um. When we had, we, we, The way Rocco likes to prepare for the majors is he, he always liked showing up and playing the Saturday and the Sunday before. And then he would leave property on Monday and Tuesday and come back Wednesday to play another nine holes. And when we got there on Saturday, his driver had broke on the airline flight. So his gamer driver that he was you know hitting 80% of his fairways with is broken. So we had to have a handful of new drivers made that week, and he didn't really like any of them, but we picked one that was okay. And he, was, he, he drove it pretty good that week. Um, but, you know, there's no real fantastic, exciting answer. We were just plodding along, sticking to our game plan, and it really didn't matter what anyone else was doing. We were just trying to execute the shot the best we could to where we wanted to hit it, and uh, he was doing a fantastic job of that.
1: Mm.
0: So i don't even know that, that um I don't even know that we knew through two holes that we were in the lead or tied for the lead or, or close. We were just focused on what we had to do and what we wanted to do. And if it was good enough at the end it was gonna be good enough.
1: Yeah. Well you guys got to that third hole and remember he almost aced it <laughs> that T shot on a downhill part three and he threw the club afterwards. So what was that like?
0: Yeah, that was on Monday. That was in the that was in the in the Monday playoff.
1: Oh, 20. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, yes.
0: yeah yeah, because um, Tiger in in the Monday playoff, I don't man, I should have a better memory, but I I think we might have birdied two. Again, he played hole number two great that week. But what's nuts about that shot in the Monday playoff is when they show it on TV, it's going in the hole. It's going to be a hole in one. And there's like a little wormhole, or there's like a little mound of dirt that you can see when they when they show the replay of that shot, and it hits that tiny little mound of dirt, and it deflects it to the right, and it just burns the edge as it goes by. But yeah, what a great shot, a six iron. And Tiger had plugged himself under the front lip, and I think he made double on that hole in the Monday playoff. Mm. But well, Tiger, Tiger was just unreal. Especially in that Monday playoff, he had twelve—he had twelve putts through ten holes, and he hit some of the absolute best pitch shots I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, of course he is Tiger Woods. He's the greatest player of our generation.
1: Right, and and uh, my apologies for jumping ahead to Monday real quick, but but uh, rewind the tape back to Sunday. So you guys are coming down the stretch. Um, you've got a chance to win. What does it feel like going down those last couple holes? On Sunday?
0: Well, we obviously he, he was playing really good on Sunday, and, and we knew we had a chance coming down 18, but on, on 17, Rocco again hit one of the best seven irons, I think, of his life that uh, we thought it was going to be stiff from back in the fairway, but it, it ended up rolling out about maybe 10 or 12 feet past the hole. And he hit a great putt. He just hit it a little too hard, and it rolled out about five feet by. And he made that five footer coming back. But yeah, com- coming down. Um, wow, so much stuff happened. I some, my brain's just going crazy. So much stuff happened. So many weird things. And but coming down eighteen, we we hit a. It would have been tricky. Eighteen was a tough par five, is for us for reaching it in two. You know, Rocco needs to hit his absolute best and hardest low hook running shot for us to have a chance to hit that green too. and we drove it just into the left rough and then we had to lay up and we had a pretty good look with wedge to that front pin and the shot when the shot came up he kind of he knew he hit a little too hard and it covered that ridge by about two yards if that shot had landed about two or three yards shorter it would have hit and came back down that ridge and he had a real makeable putt for birdie there. But mm. um, as is, he made a great, you know, his wet shot went probably a good 40, 45 feet past the hole. He made a great two-putt. And then at that moment, once we were done and once we were in the hole and we knew we had a one-shot lead, it, that's when it finally kicked in. Like, wow, we might we might have just won the U.S. Open. Now, we have to dodge two huge bullets because you have Lee Westwood and Tiger Woods. You know, if one of them makes birdie, it's playoff. But it, it really wasn't until we made that last putt that, it, that for me, I really thought, wow, we
1: might have just won the U.S. Open. This is pretty cool. Yeah, because you did have a couple-shot lead there, you know, on Sunday back nine and stuff with Tiger struggling, and he had to finally play well on 11 to to kind of get the momentum going for him. But, but what did – and any conversations stand out with Rocco there? Like I know that he was watching, he was watching Tiger on eighteen, right, with the putt, and he said, "I, hey, I knew, I knew he'd make it, right." But um... yeah, after we putted out on eighteen, I didn't see, I didn't
0: see Rocco again until all that stuff was over with, because we went, uh, we were in the cart barn, and. Rocco went to scoring and then I went a different way. And then where he was kind of hanging out was a different spot than where me, like like the family and friends and stuff, we were kind of all hanging out in a different spot where Rocco, I think Rocco might have been hanging out with Lee Jansen. Um, so we weren't in a spot where we were like ch- chatting back and forth. Like there's no, you know, we, there was no like us talking about what was going on on the golf course. Just because we were in different spots.
1: Gotcha. And, and then go ahead. And
0: then I decided for myself, I wanted to go, I thought I had time because I was watching on TV and I thought, well, I'm going to walk out and I'm gonna, I want to go watch this live. I want to go watch Tiger Hit This Putt live. Yeah. I want to be right there and um, trying to get through the crowd and to get where I needed to be. I got about halfway there and I heard the most insane roar. So I knew what happened, so I just turned around and walked back to the car barn.
1: Go <laughs> <laughs> back to the car barn and then what? Then yeah. it's like, okay, get ready for and a then, playoff tomorrow? You know,
0: like, you want to win. Obviously, we didn't want Lee or Tiger to make their putt. You know, we want to win the U.S. Open, but could you dream up a better scenario than an 18-hole playoff with Tiger Woods?
1: Hmm. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember I was in the, uh, I was volunteering that week, and I was on 18 in the uh, volunteer hospitality area along the fairway. And we were watching it on TV, on the screens, and, and it, the seven-second delay. We forgot about the TV, seven-second uh, yeah, delay. that's what made me think I had time to go out and watch it live. Uh, <laughs> it's killer. Um, so we get to Monday, right? And, I mean, what was it like? I mean, was it hard to fall asleep that night? I mean, was there just so much anticipation going into My- Monday?
0: For me, my Sunday night was horrible Uh-oh. because um, Rocco wanted me to move to to stay at the the Hilton hotel that was right at Torrey Pines, and I was staying out in Rancho Bernardo. Yeah. So for me, it kind of I I kind of wish I had just stayed. In, you know, in hindsight, but and oh, because Rocco had had, had a uh, whether we win or lose on on Monday. Uh, Rocco had gotten a car service to take us uh, from San Diego back up to uh, his place in Brentwood. So on Sunday night, what I had to do was go pick up all my luggage, move it all over, and then take my rental car down to the airport in San Diego and then get a taxi cab to bring me back up to the airport because he wanted to leave kind of right after the event. So I wouldn't have had time to do – to make a long story short, I didn't even get to my hotel room until about 2 or 2.30 in the morning. And then um, just got a couple hours of sleep, and then it was a prettier – I think it was like a 5.30 wake-up call, maybe something like that. So it was kind of a hectic Sunday night for me, and it just was kind of – in hindsight, it didn't really affect anything, but it was just kind of stupid to – To move everything around, I should have just stayed where I was in Rancho Bernardo and and not worried about being in the car driving back up to LA. But it's just part of it, and and so I was extremely exhausted. So the second my head hit the pillow, I was out. It was it was it was a really cool thought for me because I'm so new to caddying. Oh, of course. That, um, you know, you if you take a step back and you look at it financially. First, in in that situation, for someone like me, and I've got all these past school debts, and I've got all this, first or second, both look pretty good from a financial standpoint. So, it was a pretty, I was pretty relaxed going into the day, no matter
1: what. Was there any conversation before that started with you and Rocco, just kind of getting getting ready to roll for that uh, Monday playoff?
0: No, just the same as every day. Just go through our same warm-up routine, and... And uh, we have our, you know, we have our little game plan that we want to stick to, and it, and it was, it was more important for us that it didn't matter what Tiger and Stevie did. What mattered to us was how we play the golf course, and we're going to play because Tiger's playing a different golf course than we are. Mm. You know, Tiger's driving at sixty yards by us, so he's playing a different course than we're playing. So. It didn't matter what they did. We wanted to stick to our game plan, and we felt like if we beat the golf course, we were going to have a good chance to beat Tiger and win the U.S. Open.
1: So that's and interesting. And
0: unfortunately, I think we we didn't beat the golf course. I think we both shot even par for that 18
1: holes. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, if you're thinking about strategy, so you guys threw 10 holes, you're three back. Your three back at Tiger. It's a certain point you have to be thinking about Tiger, though, right, and how you catch him, right? I mean, I, I know that you guys had a conversation coming off of 10. I know Rocco was, uh, said he was, uh, he was kind of fed up with, with, uh, with the score. He wanted to go beat him, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a case where, you know, we, watched, we just watched Tiger make every putty look at. We, he made, Tiger made one mistake, and that was uh, – well, actually, he made two mistakes. He played both par threes really poorly. Mm-hmm. And if he if Tiger Woods pars both those par threes, we have zero chance because he's he's probably got a seven shot lead going into going into the number eleven. But um, it was just frustrating. I mean, he just I mean, Rocco just like chunked a chip on number ten and then didn't hit a good putt there, and it it was kind of like from five through ten, it was it, nothing really kind of went our way. Um, and Tiger played great. I mean, t- Tiger was one putting and making a few birdies. I don't. I don't know what his score was relative. Well, I guess he must have been. If we were three over, he must have been even. Um, but the little conversation was just like, look, you know, it's just give me the best, give me the best eight holes you can play, and let's execute to our game plan, and let's just see what happens. Um, and then, you know, luckily for us, I mean, Tiger's tee shot on eleven. That par three. If his tee shot is one yard to the right, you know he's probably got six feet, seven feet for birdie. But it went into that left bunker, and then that's a very difficult up and down. Rocco hit a good tee shot, um, and then uh, Tiger hit a bad tee shot on twelve, and all of a sudden, you know, we went from but what we went from three down to one down like that fast. And that's what that golf course can do. You know, if you hit one one shot it's, it's amazing what one offline shot or one bad kick it's just crazy how much it can change everything um, and, and luckily for us you know Tiger missed a couple shots by a yard here or there and, and we were right
1: back in it mm. and and of course you guys are tied at 14 after 14 and at 15 I mean to me <laughs> the, it was unbelievable you must have felt so much adrenaline when he makes that birdie putt when Rocco takes the lead there so late. Uh, that that putt was that
0: that putt to me was like Tiger's putt on thirteen on Saturday. Like you can't make that putt. We could probably go back and drop a bucket of balls down and probably never make that putt again. I mean that was just absolutely incredible, and that roar was deafening. Like that was just crazy. Probably one of the you know one of the absolute greatest moments of my caddy career right there. Um, and, you know, to, to make that putt and to go up by one. And then Tiger, like, Tiger got a little frisky with his putt. And he hit it probably five or six feet by the hole. And he made a huge comeback putt right there. Because if he doesn't make that putt, tournament's probably over right there. Because two-shot lead with three to play, um, you know, in a, in a tournament like the U.S. Open where par is a good score. Yeah. Tournament's probably over if he doesn't make that six-footer coming back. Mm. The big difference being 18 is still a par 5 for us. 18 was just a pretty good par 4 for Tiger that day where they had the tee set up.
1: Right, and and so your guy Rocco has a one-shot lead on 18, and as you guys are both approaching the green, I mean, you guys have 15 feet for birdie, he's got 40 feet for, for, for eagle. The crowd starts going crazy because you guys are approaching the last hole. I mean, that must have been out out of this world, right? Uh, it was
0: great it was yeah what a feeling I mean to see I, I, they say that there were somewhere around 40,000 people out there that day just to watch two guys play golf <laughs> uh, it, it one of those moments like you can't now that I think about it and I look back on it I can't really believe I was part of it because it, it was one of those things where people, were calling me and texting me, and they were saying that they were missing their flights and their work shut down. And <laughs> you know, it was it was one of those thing, one of those incredible sports moments where it sort of shut the world down a little bit because everybody wanted to see what was going on.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, people didn't care about missing work <laughs> and, or with their bus lot. And,
0: and I'm you know, and I was lucky enough to be part of it. And. I always tell everybody, you're never going to get rid of me because every year they're going to replay that U.S. Open. So you're going to have to deal with seeing me every single year.
1: <laughs> you got rent, rent-free rent space in your head, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys get to 18. I mean, he misses his eagle. So you have a birdie putt to win the U.S. Open, I mean, 15 to 18 feet. What I mean, what was that process like for you and Rocco there? Uh, pretty
0: amazing. I mean, Tiger had hit a great second shot in there and had, you know, 40, 45 feet for eagle. Rocco hit a really good wedge. Uh, We saw the flags were blowing really hard left to right with the wind, and we thought the wind would hit his wedge shot a little bit more than it did, but it really didn't touch it. We ended up basically dead hole high, 18 feet left. Tiger hits a really good putt for eagle, but runs it by, you know, I'd say five, five and a half feet. So Rocco got in there, hit a really good putt, and just burned the edge of the cup. It just just went left and burned the edge of the cup, ran about four and a half feet by. So now we're looking at two putts, potentially for the U.S. Open. Tiger's got, you know, probably a good almost five and a half feet. And of course, it's Tiger Woods. He's never going to miss that putt. He buries it right in the middle like he always does. And now, just like that, we went from a one-shot lead to having four-and-a-half, five feet that if we don't make this putt, the U.S. Open, it's over. Tiger wins. So Rocco got in there, went through his process, and just nailed the putt perfect right in the middle of the cup. And uh, off to sudden death we go.
1: Mm. Was that the most adrenaline you felt the whole week, just with so much on the line there, or was it a different spot?
0: Um, I think... Actually, I can go back to a spot on Friday where probably I felt the most adrenaline I'd felt for the whole week. Um, And that was Friday, our second shot into 18. We had like 242 to cover the water hazard or 241 maybe to cover the water hazard to a back left pin on Friday. And his three would, if he smokes it, goes about 243, 244, hmm. and we're standing back there in the fairway, and, and so we were playing, I, I think we were playing really good, like we were going to be in the final group on Saturday, and we're trying to figure out, you know, are we going to lay up, or are we going to go for this? And uh, we both just kind of looked at each other, and we were like, we got to go for this. So it was like like 241 to cover, and, he's, and his three-wood goes 243. So we know if he misses this shot at all, it's going to it's going right in the pond, you know. And he just – he it was such a great shot. He hit such an amazing shot right there. And he looked at me, and, and it was hard to tell if it was in a cover or not. And he goes, Matty, he goes, I got every ounce of that shot. And I think <laughs> that 3 would covered by about a foot, rolled up to 18, 20 feet, and, and made a – almost made eagle, but made a good two-putt birdie there. And I think – Watching that three-wood was probably the, the most adrenaline pack for me because if that three-wood, you know, lands one foot shorter, it's in the pond, and who knows what happens the rest of the week.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so much uncertainty at that point if, if it does go in the water. So you guys get to the the, the first playoff hole after the playoff, number seven. And, um, I mean, what Which, was just kind of the finish there like for you?
0: I, I, I don't have any issues with the USGA, but – why in the world they picked hole number seven
1: hmm. for
0: a sudden death playoff, I have still have no idea. It, to me, it makes absolutely zero sense. We should have went, in my opinion, we should have went right back to 18. And it, tell me one other event that you've ever heard of in your life where if there's sudden death, you don't <laughs> go replay 18 first. Now, 18 is a tremendous advantage for Tiger. And like I said, in... in In regulation, when we came off 17 on Monday, I was hoping that those tees were going to be as far back as they could be. Because I knew we were going to struggle to reach, and I thought with a one-shot lead, if the tees are as far back as they can be, at least Tiger's probably going to have to hit some kind of three-wood to get there in two. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the tees where they were, I knew if he hit a good tee shot, he was just going to be hitting some kind of long iron in there. So, um I'm a little off track, but yeah. But number seven, um, number seven was just not good for us the entire week. We hit, um, we played our practice round on the front nine. We actually quit our practice round on the front nine on number seven. Oh. We got there in our, on our practice round. I think on Saturday, we had about twelve golf balls in the bag, and he hits his first tee shot, hooks it in the left rough. Throw him another ball, blocks in the right rough. Throw him. Another. We went through twelve balls. Didn't hit the fairway once. And then we walked off the golf course.
1: Oh, my God. And then. Just didn't look good to fair- his eye, huh? We, we missed the
0: fairway on Thursday. We missed the fairway on Friday. We missed the fairway on Saturday. We missed the fairway on Sunday. And we missed the fairway on Monday in the playoff, all on hole number seven. So, like, to hear that the playoff is going to hole number seven, which is this, you know, probably almost 500 yard perfect for Tiger, just a. Just a bomber's, you know, if you hit a power cut, it couldn't set up any better for you. And, you know, Rocco hits this tight little draw on a hole where we haven't even come close to hitting the fairway all week. It kind of it kind of sucked. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's it's the hole they picked, but I still don't understand, you know, why we didn't just go right back to 18 and play 18 again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I kind of hate number seven at, at Tory Pines South.
1: Oh, for good reason. So, so you guys have a, a par. understandably, man, you have a par putt to stay alive on, on seven. And uh, he, obviously, Rocco missed it, and then it was all over there. But what was that kind of the pressure like to try to to keep that going? Yeah,
0: it it it. You know, our tee shot ended up in that left bunker, and honestly, if it stopped about two yards sooner than it did it would have just been like a normal fairway bunker shot would have been i don't think it would have been any problem getting that ball on the green but it kind of ran up just behind like a little finger in the bunker and the ball was a little below his feet and and he was a little behind the lip and he he, he kept to. our game plan was to get the ball into the front right green side bunker rocko's one of the best greenside bunker players there is and, and we thought if we could get that into the front right greenside bunker it was a, a not only a pretty makeable bunker shot but a really high percentage up and down and trying to maneuver that shot around the lip of the bunker and the bad stance he just kind of it came out like a little pull hook and went left and it left us in a really difficult spot to, to get the ball close and, and a fairly easy spot to chip the ball on the green but a really difficult spot to get the ball close and he hit a great pitch shot and it probably ran out to you know somewhere between 15 and 20 feet and he hit a great putt i mean when when you watch the potty he hit it he he hit it right where i wanted him to and and it just didn't it kind of quit turning left right at the end and it just burned the top edge and just ran by and 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 it was a really it was a really bad feeling because it was like that was it 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 was was over like it, it, you know it. It was really it was it it was a really hard feeling to explain because you're on this, you know, you're in a, a sudden death to win the U.S. Open and and you're riding so high and then all of a sudden it's over, and it was just kind of like okay, well let's get out of here. I mean, I guess he did the presentation and got his silver medal and everything, but um, but man, he played his heart out that week. He he played just exceptional, um, you know. But we just ran into the best golfer to ever play the game professionally
1: <laughs> right and and what was the first time you sat down with Rocco over a drink to discuss what happened there was it just like a week or two later or
0: um well we took that we were in the car ride you know together rock when I worked for Rocco we spent all kinds of time together we stayed together a lot we had dinner together a lot you know we had lunch breakfast you know we we spent all kinds of time together so um we didn't we didn't really reflect on it I, you know we we joked about it and talked about it a little bit, but, but I don't think we really reflected on it f- till some months later, you know, what it really meant. And, and um, you know, whether he was able to take positive stuff from it or whether it was going to be something that was just going to kind of eat his soul for the rest of his career. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of him that he was able to, like, take the positives out of it and not be, you know, there's a lot of, there, there, there may be, there could be a lot of guys who could be very bitter, about being that close and not getting it but you know Rocco understands that we we played great we did the best we could do that week and it just was unfortunately one shot too little in the end
1: yeah but one of the best uh, tournaments we could ever watch as fans as golf fans for sure um well hey Matt Ackett's uh, great great catching up with you here on beyond the clubhouse and uh thanks for joining and and reminiscing about one of the great weeks in golf ever <laughs> Well, thanks for having me.
0: I, uh, as, as, as you know from my 15-hour drive last night, I'm a little exhausted, so, so hopefully I didn't say anything I wasn't supposed to.
1: <laughs> yes, 15 hours from Congaree, from the tournament there, all the way back home to Detroit. Man, you are a warrior, a road warrior.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, and uh, just just incredible to be part of that U.S. Open, and and the last time that the U.S. Open will ever be an 18-hole
1: playoff because they changed it to some two or three-hole playoff now, I think. Unbelievable stuff there for Matt Ackett. I hope you enjoyed. Just looking back down memory lane, what that was like at the U.S. Open, Tory Pines. So what are we looking forward to now this week? A lot of good storylines, some first-timers. Um, Pearson Cootie and a ton of amateurs are in the field again this year. You've always got those amateur stories. So follow along. I'll be on Twitter, at Garrett. I will be out there for part of the week. Uh, so check out <laughs> some of the tweets and social media I'll be I'll be doing there. Should be a lot of fun. I, I'm really expecting an exciting U.S. Open, and uh, hope you enjoy it this week. And we'll talk to you again soon on Beyond the Clubhouse.